0: The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio 680, WPTF, and 98.5 FM. This is the Turning Your Life Around podcast, presented by 180 Counseling, hosted by founder Sarah Coates, a licensed clinical mental health counselor. In this podcast, Sarah and her team of therapists will dive deep into many topics on mental health care. Here's your host, Sarah Coates.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Turning Your Life Around podcast. I'm Sarah Coates, and I'm joined again on the podcast with Emily Fry. Hello, Emily. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for having me again. Thanks for coming back and sharing some knowledge. And today we're going to talk about emotions, and I think it's just a really good topic for us to break down and talk about because I think we're living in a point in history that's very emotional, and people react very emotionally nowadays to certain hot topics, social events, current things happening, and maybe their actions and behaviors reflect their emotional state, but they don't even know what that emotional state is or what might be driving some things um, within themselves. And so I just think this is a really good topic that we need to Unpack and break down about
0: emotions and how people are carrying those in their day to day lives. That's exactly right, Sarah. What people are doing, they are carrying that around in their daily lives and they are expressing it in ways that they probably don't even know that they are actually feeling related to their emotions. We are seeing a lot more anger and frustration and maybe even some disappointment in there. And with that, if we can look at an iceberg, that's what we're seeing on the outside with people. We are seeing this frustration and justifiably so there there's a lot to be frustrated about there's a lot to be angry about but what are we doing with those emotions with that iceberg what's below that iceberg and there are significantly more emotions that we need to see that we need to be able to see it within ourselves to to respond appropriately not react but respond appropriately
1: right there's a great point we need to respond to our emotions and not react makes me think of when many moons ago I was a school counselor and we used to teach kids it's okay to feel angry but what you do with that anger can be helpful or harmful and maybe some of that is happening in our society right now people feel angry but they don't know what to do with it mm-hmm. and they're reacting out of their anger instead of responding to their anger
0: absolutely with responding to their anger and really understanding where that anger is coming from and typically underneath the anger it is some sadness it is some fear there there's a lot to be kind of scared still about out there and wondering if we tapped into that sadness, if we tapped into that fear, our bodies will be able to see and and our minds will be able to be open to what is going on, what's going on around me, how is this affecting me as opposed to responding to other people, turning it into themselves and saying, what can I do? How can I see this? One of the big things with fear is protection. Mm. And when we look at fear from something that we're trying to protect from, whether it's a snake a spider. I definitely have fear around those. Uh, Wait,
1: I have fear around snakes just given what happened in Raleigh last week. Yes, venomous yes. Venomous
0: <laughs> that was, it was kind of, kind of fear mongering right there uh, to, to know that that snake was out and about. It definitely caught me a little off guard and I was more on an edge even though it wasn't around me. But right. I still had that fear because when I look at myself, it, I'm trying to protect myself. And, and if we look at emotions in a different light of fear is a protection. We're trying to work through some pain that we've experienced experienced in our lives. A lot of times we also experience shame and guilt and people interchange those, those two terms. What I want to educate our listeners on is the differences. Guilt is more about what we do as people and shame is how we feel about ourselves. The benefits from that is developing a sense of humbleness and humility. So when we take a look at ourselves and say, oh my gosh, I actually did something that was maybe a little inappropriate, that can really teach someone on how they are with themselves and to maybe be a little kinder to themselves the verbiage that they're telling themselves and that exudes out into the world as well
1: absolutely yeah just thinking about what you said there shame and guilt how those are different and there is an element of humility that comes along when you feel shame towards yourself uh, if you've done something inappropriate and then feeling guilty about it it's just I I like that you got to kind of separate the two. Uh,
0: yes. And it's difficult. It's difficult to do that. And this is why we need to take a step back. And that in that first emotion that we're feeling, whether it's anger or happy or uh, joy, uh, we just got to take a step back and say, what is this really what's going on and listen to listen to those emotions. It's exactly like a pain receptor. If you put your hand on a hot burner, your brain immediately says, ouch, Mm -hmm. and you get your hand off of the burner. Our emotions are very similar to that. If we also look at it through that lens of a pain receptor, a signal to say, hey, something's going on here, and I don't like it. Instead of reacting initially, we're taking the time to look within ourselves to respond for ourselves. We're not responding for anybody else, but we're responding for ourselves to be i okay. Very helpful for society.
1: That's so good. We're responding for ourselves. Do you use the feeling wheel in your therapy really?
0: <laughs> I do. I think uh, it gets a little overwhelming with the amount of feelings that are on there. I can see a hundred on there. And for myself, it gets overwhelming. So I do like to narrow it down to just a few emotions. Of course, we want to feel happy. Of course, we want to feel joy and we want to feel the love. And unfortunately, with life, we are going to experience the other emotions the anger, the sadness, the pain, the fear fear, the shame, and the guilt. We are going to experience that. And we need to look at that as a continuum. If we are searching strictly for happiness, Mm. we're going to be sorely disappointed when sadness comes or anger comes.
1: Absolutely. I think a lot of people still are raising their children and maybe not even intentionally, but the society kind of puts on us that there are only two emotional states, happy or sad. That's it. That's it. There's there's nothing else, you know, and that's why I like the feeling wheel. And if listeners just took a minute to Google the feeling wheel, they'll they'll see a hundred different examples of it. It might list some anticipated emotional states, Mm -hmm. like happy and sad, and then breaks it down what's really underneath that vocabulary, I guess. It
0: does. Yeah. And it allows that vocabulary to be expanded for us as humans to be able to really hone in on what's going on inside of us. And it's funny that you mentioned like with teaching kids emotions. Recently on a vacation, uh, trying to find directions, I hear my four-year-old in the background saying, I'm so angry you're not listening to me, and immediately turned around and put everything down so I could hear what he was trying to say. But he was able to verbalize his emotion and you know at anger it's like I'm frustrated that you're not hearing me and I will listen and I will hear and being able to say you look happy and being able to verbalize that so being able not just for ourselves but for our children as well to understand like you seem this way is this accurate right
1: well that's how you teach the kids you teach young children the emotional vocabulary instead of every time they throw a fit identifying it as anger mm-hmm. you might throw out some other vocabulary terms like you seem frustrated or you seem overwhelmed are you maybe anxious right
0: now? You know, when yeah. you start
1: throwing out these different emotional states and teaching them this vocabulary, and then every time they feel angered, they'll start to understand maybe it's something else also.
0: Maybe it is. There's other things out there, and to increase that vocabulary for us and for our children to be able to have that connection too. So being able to understand this, this connection with our children, with our friends, with our families, will be able to be expounded upon.
1: So you do a lot of work with body awareness, yes. um, how does that, how do you incorporate emotions and body awareness?
0: With body awareness, I hear a lot of guilt. I hear guilt of, especially related to food of, I shouldn't eat that because my body is going to be changing. And that's where it's important for me to identify, well, is this really guilt? Like, are you really guilty? Because that would mean that you feel bad about eating food. And then, as the conversation progresses, it goes turns more into shame and identifying that they feel bad as a person. And when we talk about that, when we talk about that shame, it leads to situations of like hidden messages that we've received as kids um, and growing up, and even even as adults. So now, looking at through the the body image lens and where shame has stemmed from, it, it's just trying to find a connection. Shame is a driving factor for either eating disorders for addictions, mental health. With that, when I see the shame, there is these messages that people are hearing, and they just cloud it over with the emotion of anger. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm so angry I ate that, or I'm angry that I, I used this substance, or I drank. But then we get into the core of it, and it is that shame. So it's developing you as a person. It's developing your sense of self, your authentic self.
1: Yeah, that's excellent. And and isn't that what we do in therapy is help people find and develop their authentic self so they can live their best life?
0: Absolutely. And that's that's a goal that I, I hope to help with the clients who want to see that. And that's what the authentic self can do. And so when I see that authentic self, it shows me who they are as a person who they want to become and the confidence that I see in that it just it brings me to tears sometimes it, it's very exciting to see when people are able to see their own authentic self
1: absolutely what
0: a journey to be on to to explore someone through that
1: that I think is the most humbling thing about being a therapist mm-hmm. is you get to walk along someone develop their own authentic self walk with them through this journey. We know this, and maybe the listeners need to hear this. We are not experts on anyone's life. We are not in a position to give advice because we're not in charge of their life, right? Exactly. We're just walking alongside with them, helping them, maybe giving them some tools on how to develop their authentic self so they can live their best life.
0: It is humbling for sure. Absolutely.
1: So Emily, I know you also do some somatic work in your therapy practice, helping people understand that you actually feel emotions inside your body in a physical way. Yes. Share
0: a little bit more about that. So the trauma work that I do, a big question and a common question that I ask my clients is, where are you feeling this in your body? If they are unable to identify the specific emotion at that time, I typically go towards the body. Where are you feeling this? When I hear of sadness, my typical responses from clients are a heaviness and my heart or in my chest area when I hear anger people are describing like I'm hot all over there's definite heat when I hear some shame and guilt as well I'm hearing it it's it's in my stomach My stomach is turning. So our emotions are that awareness. So it's not just the identifying what emotion it is, but let's be in tune with our bodies. And maybe if we can't identify it at that moment, what we're feeling emotionally, what are we feeling physically in our body? We do store our emotions in our body. We just need to be aware of what's going on.
1: And I think that is another benefit of therapy is you learn that. If you're working with someone who is trauma-informed, then they will help you identify and help learn about emotions, but also how you experience them or how you might be experiencing them inside your body. Mm-hmm. And so it's very educational.
0: Absolutely it is. The the education piece, not only identifying what's going on in the therapy room, but it also helps clients to identify it outside of the therapy room as well, because now they're understanding this is the feeling that I'm having my stomach drop for some reason. What's going on? Why am I having it at the grocery store or right. uh, with this particular family member or why am I feeling hot all of a sudden when I am around a friend who maybe did me wrong a couple of years ago but we mended it there shouldn't be anything going on right now but it, it's being able to be in tune with that and so helping in the therapy room outside to help these clients
1: so Emily what when you teach a client um how to notice what's happening inside their body the physical sen- sensation is alerting a certain emotional state so then what does the what does the person do with that information
0: excellent question sarah what we do at that point once we've been able to identify the physical sensation and then also the emotion that's attached to it it's identifying the appropriate coping skill so different emotions are going to require different coping skills when we are sad crying is a very excellent and effective coping skill. When we are mad, it's it's encouraged. I have encouraged clients to take a foam bat, go outside and just smack a tree because you're not going to hurt yourself. You're not going to hurt anyone else with that. And it's appropriate using appropriate responses. Also talking about effective communication and assertive communication to, to state what you need for What that is when we're feeling that anger we want some change so how do we go about doing that change when we want that sadness we want to feel that happiness again and just learning which coping skill is effective from before my my previous podcast of mindfulness that is one of my go-tos so let's sit with this Mm -hmm. it is so uncomfortable to sit with these emotions other than happy and joy and love, because we want those. It is very challenging to sit with these emotions. And once we do sit with them, they're not as scary as we Mm. anticipate them to be or think that they are right now, and we can get through it. If we can just get 15 minutes of sitting with this emotion, it will pass.
1: Well, and I think, too, a lot of people don't know how to sit with the emotion. It is uncomfortable, like you said. Mm. I don't think most people want to feel anxious or feel angry. That just doesn't feel good on the inside. It doesn't. And no one wants to be in distress humans i think naturally just want to be at peace <laughs> and mm-hmm. so all of that is uncomfortable to sit with it and many people might say well what does that even mean sit with it so can you explain a little further
0: how do you sit with uncomfortable feeling sitting with that uncomfortable feeling is that mindfulness of saying this is where i am this is who i am in this present moment and we're not judging the feelings there's a lot of judgment when it comes in of like i shouldn't be angry mm. when i shouldn't feel this way i should feel better i should feel happy we do So it's allowing you to be your authentic self, to not judge yourself, to allow yourself to be who you really are. Mm
1: -hmm. Just like you're saying, acknowledgement. I acknowledge I feel really irritated right now. Let's see, where am I feeling that? Oh, it's in my stomach. Mm -hmm. And um, then what coping skill could I possibly do to alleviate that distress?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And then doing that action or that coping skill. And then, I mean, magically, it's like it almost passes.
0: It does. does. It does pass. And the emotions was not as bad as we anticipated them to be. And we are able to move on more effectively to the emotions that we want to feel. If we keep stuffing down these emotions, they are going to burst out at an inopportune time. And you're like, what in the world did I just do? What happened? But we need to be able to listen to them and be able to not push them down. That's not being our authentic selves. That is not honoring who you are that's so good
1: well any other tips or strategies that you can share with the listeners about emotions and how to better
0: manage their emotions listen listen to yourself listen to things going on around you as we've talked about today emotions are more complicated than we have deemed them to be because we just want to feel that happy and sad if we also know that emotions are a continuum it doesn't seem like we have to make it as complicated as they are so we need to look at this as a continuum and not all or nothing or the black and white thinking that I think a lot of people have done out there and continue Mm. to do unfortunately but this is this is a way to identify when Not one emotion is going to last forever.
1: That's so good. Thank you for sharing your knowledge today about this. And if you want to continue this conversation with Emily or with any of our therapists, most therapists do really great education around emotions and better understanding those, how they affect you, then you can certainly reach out to Emily in our Garner office and find many of our other 65 therapists on our website at 1-80counseling.com. Thanks for listening.
0: You've been listening to the Turning Your Life Around podcast, presented by 180 Counseling, with five triangle locations to serve you. Learn more at 1-80counseling.com. This has been an exclusive presentation of News Radio 680 WPTF and 98.5 FM, a Curtis Media Group station.